Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Uh, But this morning, we're going to preach uh, a message about physical discipline, and it's very important. And uh, it will be the last message of this series. Yeah, I know you're, you're disappointed. You're just like, everybody's like, get me out of this series. You're going to get out. This is the last week. I'm going to let you up. I'm going to let you breathe. And uh, next week, we're actually going to start a series about revival. So next week, we start a new series about revival. I've been thinking about it the past really couple months and uh, knew I was going to preach about it sometime. So now is the time. So uh, next week, we're going to start a new series called Do It Again on a revival. But before we get to the praise God, hallelujah, we're going to praise God, hallelujah, in the discipline area. So if you got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 6, and we're going to start in verse 19. Got a lot to say, and all you said, what's new? 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says, don't you realize that your body, your body, Everybody say, my body. body. Notice what the word says. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. And you do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Can I get amen this morning? So this morning, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is this. My body... God's temple. My body, God's temple. So this morning we're going to talk about physical discipline, but I want to share with you about my God, my body, God's temple. So as we start this series, we've been talking about life by design. We've been talking about how that we're either living life by design or by default. And most of us, especially on the physical side of things, we live it by default. We go day after day after day wanting energy, wanting better health, wanting to be strong, but we don't do anything differently so we don't see the results in our life. Now, we're all on the same page here this morning because all of you want to be healthy. Raise your hand if you want to be healthy. All of you want more energy, right? All you want to be strong, right? All you want to be able to live long, right, so you can play with your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. We're all on the same page. Okay, you want that? Then you're going to have to listen to what I'm going to say today. Because all that you want, that dream, is attached to physical discipline. Those are all good things. We're all on the same page. We all want those things. I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. I want to have energy. I want to live a long life and fulfill God's plan for my life. All of us want that. Well, how do we get there? We get there by doing the things I've said so far in this series, but this is a part of it just as much as the spirit is a part of it and your soul and your mind is a part of it. Physical discipline is a part of it. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about my body, God's temple. Now, when I talk about this today, I already can feel there's tension. Everybody's a little tense. Everybody needs to take a, take, a, take a breath right now. Just breathe, 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 breathe. But everybody feels that when we start talking about your body. Because there's something that they've told all preachers who've ever preached. 
If you want to get people to be uncomfortable in church, talk about their weight, talk about their kids, talk about their money. So I'm not talking about money or kids this morning, but I am going to talk about your body. Because your body is God's temple. Now, we get quiet because we all know we need it. And we want the results of what it will do for us. But a lot of times we are not doing the things that are going to make us healthy, strong people in our bodies. But God cares about our body. And I would say as well, especially in churches like us, we emphasize divine healing. We believe that God is a healer. And I fully agree with that. We believe that God can heal people. And I've seen God heal people. I'm not just a tummy ache and a headache. I've seen God replace people's bones in their body and then go back to the doctor and they had new bones. I've seen God replace people's hearts and they go back to the doctor and they got a new heart. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people healed of HIV and AIDS. I've seen people's legs grown out in a service. I've seen people that couldn't hear here in a service. So I believe that God is a healer of bodies. But... Us that believe that way, which is what the Bible says in divine healing, sometimes use that as a crutch for not doing anything to maintain our health. And we think that we can live any way we want because God will heal us. I can eat this. I just get in the prayer line. I can do what I want because God is a healer. And sometimes we're doing that Day after day, week after week, year after year, and then we get something that we can't get rid of, but it wasn't God's fault. It was our own choices that got us to that situation. Okay. We have to stop relying on the crutch of, well, God's my healer. Well, yes, he is, and you need to believe that, and that comes first. But that's not an excuse for living a lifestyle that's unhealthy saying, well, God will heal me. This is what that is like. The Bible calls that tempting God. That's the same as me jumping off a cliff saying, well, God's my protector and he's given me angels so he'll protect me. That's foolishness. You're tempting God. But we do that with our health every day. But what we eat, But what we drink, by our lack of exercise, by our lack of any care of our body, and then we say, well, God will heal me. It's just as foolish as you jumping off a cliff saying, well, God will protect me. There's angels. No, you're going to hit the ground, you dummy. And we do that physically and we wonder, well, why didn't God do this? No, it's why didn't you do this? Well, it's like petting a cat this morning so far. (sighs) You got to work with me because we're not too far so far. I'm telling the truth this morning, whether you want to hear it or not. We all have to analyze ourselves, and it, and I feel like it's especially in churches like us that do believe in divine healing. We, we err on this side thinking, well, I can just do whatever and I'll get in a prayer line. And it'll work for a while because God's merciful, but eventually you got to do something about your body. Because your body, hear me again this morning, is God's temple. 
And God cares about your body, and we should care about taking care of his temple. So we will always believe in divine healing around here. We will pray for people, but there's many things that could be avoided if you just took care of your body in the first place. There's many prayer lines you could avoid if you just took care of your body in the first place. There's many doctor's appointments that you could skip over if you just took care of your body in the first place. And how many know that's better than having to recover from all those physical issues? Prevention is always better than recovery. <laughs> so, are you ready for me today? But a lot of times when, when we preach about this, we get quiet because we know we need it. And we can feel that. But how many know it's the messages that you know you need are the ones that you really need to listen to? It's the ones that are hard to say amen to. That's the one you really need to listen to. Because if you're never challenged, you will never change. So I want to talk straight to you this morning, but in love, speaking the truth in love, because I care about your physical health as your pastor. God cares about your physical health. And your body is God's temple. Many times in the church world, we ignore the body. We tell people, just forget about it. You're going to go to heaven one day. You're going to get a resurrected body. It doesn't matter. But that's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say just because we're going to heaven and eventually we'll get a resurrected body, treat your body like trash and let's just forget about it. The Bible actually says the opposite, that it has a high view of your body, that you should treat it right. You should do things that make yourself healthy and strong. And you need to take care of it because it is not just your body. It's God's temple. Or then we ignore the body because we say, well, the spiritual stuff is more important. Now, it is important, but your body still matters. Because you're all connected, spirit, soul, and body. And if one of you or one part of you is struggling, all of you is struggling. So God cares about you, not just your spirit, but your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, which, which we talked about last week. But he cares about your body. Your body is important. You realize the ancient philosophers had the same philosophy that a lot of people in the modern day has is that the body is bad. So that means it doesn't matter what I do with it. I could do whatever I want with it because it's really not important. It's not eternal. All that matters is the spirit and the mind. But many of us are still living that way that our body doesn't matter. It's just the spirit and the mind that matters. No, it all matters. And your body alone is not evil or bad. It's not. Now, sometimes your desires could get out of whack that are in your body. That's what's called the flesh in the Bible. But just your physical body is not wrong or evil. It was created by God, designed by God. God said he put that body together in your mother's womb, and you came out, and he made that body, not just your spirit. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God cares about your body because your body is God's temple. But we as believers should be the example in our body, just like we should be the example in our spirit and our soul. But most Christians are not. 
Yep, yep. A couple grunts, a couple nods, a couple yawns so far. We should be the example, not just in our spiritual life or in our mind, but in our body. Why? Because we should know more than anybody else. We should take care of it because our body is God's temple and it belongs to him. And we should have more revelation about that than anybody else. So we should take the best care of our body. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things. And I do not mean to sound rude today or harsh today. But I got to say it like I need to say it. And I love you. And I love people. But I got to say it. A while back, uh, myself and Natalie, we went to Cincinnati um, for a little trip. Daddy-daughter trip. And we went to the Ark Encounter by Cincinnati. So there's a lot of Christians there, a lot of Christian people there. And I walked through that Ark Encounter, and I looked around at everybody, hundreds and hundreds of people in the Ark Encounter. And I said to myself, if this is the representation of Christians, no wonder we get made fun of. No wonder the world thinks we're a joke. Everyone in there looked overweight, sickly, poor, disheveled, special. They needed help. I'm like, you all don't need the Ark Encounter. Y'all need a deliverance line. All couple thousand of you, you need help. We're at a Christian theme park. I came out of the Ark Encounter depressed. Now hear me, I'm not trying to be harsh, I'm not trying to be mean, but let's call for what it is. We should be the example as believers in all those areas, not the laughing stock of the world. When we say we, say we serve the almighty God who has all power and all authority and we're the ones that look sick, fat, broke, and mentally needing help, that is pathetic as Christians. We should be the example. Why would the world want what you have if you're worse off than they are without God? We are this far in the message, so y'all better smile or something. I looked around, and I was so sad. I was thinking, this is it, y'all? No wonder we get mocked by the world. Totally skipped over verses about gluttony in the Bible. Definitely skipped over those verses. You know, that's in the same verse with drunkenness. Christians want to beat the drum of drunkenness all the time. Christians shouldn't drink. Christians shouldn't. All right, but gluttony and drunkenness are in the same chapter. Same verse. You know why? Because they both say that you're out of control. You have no self-control or self-discipline. AMZ, pat my back for a second. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> I'm not done with the Ark Encounter. <laughs> but guess what? At the end of the Ark Encounter, have you ever been there? The only restaurant you can eat there is a giant two-story buffet. <laughs> you got it right. Now, I'm not against buffets, but after I saw the way everybody looked, I'm like, y'all need a kale salad and deliverance. 
Y'all don't need to be eating at this buffet after the Ark Encounter. Goodness. You guys are a poor example of a Christian. Seriously. But why are most Christians like that? Because nobody ever talks about the body in church. They just say, ignore it. You're going to heaven. You'll get a resurrected one anyways. So the spirit and the soul are all that matters. No, your body matters just as much. And God cares about your body. The Bible says it's his temple and it belongs to him. And we should be the example in our body. So after the end of this, Natalie and I go to a two-story buffet with everyone in there that needs a celery chip. And I'm thinking, really, guys? This is it. This is why the world makes fun of us. This is why they don't take us seriously, because we're not an example in our spirit, our soul, or our body. And the world goes, why would I? You say you got God. You say you have the answers because of the Bible. You say that God is in you and you can do the impossible. But you can't even control your appetite. And and you can't even take care of your own body, which is God's temple. I mean, that doesn't make sense. But we as believers should be the example in our bodies. Now, let me clarify before we go any further, lest you feel the judgment that I'm giving you right now. When I say God cares about your body and he wants you to be healthy and strong and have energy, don't think about what I'm saying. I'm not expecting all Christians should look like fitness models. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about you need to live this way because we all need to get in our swimsuits for summertime. That can get real unhealthy real quick. If that's what you think I'm saying, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying all of us in here, we should care about our body and take care of it. And we should do things to make ourselves healthy and strong. And trust me, there is unhealthy body weights and healthy body weights. But God is not expecting you to look a certain way or wear a certain size. But he does want you to be healthy. He does want you to be strong. He does want you to have the energy to fulfill God's plan for your life. That is God's will. So don't think about a size or a certain weight today. God wants you to take care of your body. You with me? I just wanted to give some balance to what I'm saying. But we should be an example in our body. Notice, not perfect, but an example in our body. Wow. We are not even into the first verse of this. Let's go 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to read this whole passage. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. Now, I want to share this part before we share some real practical uh, steps on how to get healthier and stronger in your body. That can apply to everyone in here. First of all, I want to give us a theology of your body. Why is your body important? Why does it matter? And why does God care? And why should you? So we're going to talk about this, a theology of the body, because most churches and Christians don't talk about it. That's why it's neglected. 
The first thing I want to talk about is this, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. We'll read this whole passage. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. Now, when we read this verse, realize the next verse, he's talking about your body, but he's talking about two specific things that people do with their body that can get out of control real quick, which is your sexuality and your eating. So this verse is in that context. Notice what he says. I am allowed to do anything. Talking about what you do with your body, specifically about what you eat and your sex life. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. That is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. Now listen, and we're going to stop here for a second. And what does it say? And the Lord cares about our bodies. Well, I thought he only cared about my spirit. He does care about your spirit, but he also cares about your body. The first point that I'm going to talk about in the theology of your body is this. We need to understand God cares about your body. Pastor, no, he does, and he only cares about spiritual things. That's not what the Bible says. He cares about your body. Why does he care about your body? Because he cares about all of you. The Bible says you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, and you live in a body, and God cares about all of you. Why? Because you're all one interconnected being. It's all tied together. Spirit, soul, and body. And he wants us to be whole, strong, sound, and healthy spirit, soul, and body. So the first thing we need to understand about your body is God cares about your body. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 in the message if we could pull it up. 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Notice what it says. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole. I, th- I think the word whole could mean healthy, strong, not sickly. What does he say? The God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. So the first point is God cares about your body, so you should care about your body. Now let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 6, and uh, where do we leave off here? 13. Last part, it says, they were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Next verse. And God will raise us up from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? He didn't just say your spirit, your body. Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. 19. And we're going to stop here for a second. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Now, I'm trying to teach you before we preach this morning about a theology of the body. The next thing I want to share is about your body. Your body is God's temple. Your body is God's temple. Now, you realize when they wrote this in the New Testament, this was shocking. This was a big deal. We read it like it's, it's not a big deal. But the fact that God decided he's not dwelling in tabernacles and temples anymore. He's actually living in a human body. By his spirit. Now that would be shocking to the whole New Testament church because they knew a God who was so holy and so powerful and so righteous and so loving and so strong. He had to live in a temple or a tabernacle far away from people because his presence was so strong it would kill somebody if they stepped into the presence of a holy God. But because of what Jesus has done, and he cleansed us, and he made us right, and he made us holy, now the God of the universe, by his spirit, doesn't live in a building anymore. He lives in my body. Did y'all catch that? The spirit of God doesn't live in a building anymore, or even just necessarily in heaven. He lives in my body. That's a big deal. The Spirit of God lives in us, and it says our body is God's temple. That's why we should take care of it. That's why we can't just treat it any way we want to. Why? Because it's not just our body. It's God's temple. And the Bible says you are God's temple. You have been bought with a price, and you belong to him. We should ask the question, not what should I do with my body? We should say, what should I do with God's temple? We're either taking care of his temple or we're hurting his temple. We're either treating this body we have as a gift and we're doing things to make it healthy and strong and full of life or we're hurting our body. But whether you like it or not, your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God. And your body is God's temple. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in all of us. Not in buildings, but in our body. You get something so far today. I'm trying to lay the groundwork for where we're going this morning. But you need to understand this on why it matters before you actually take the step to do something. God cares about your body, but your body is God's temple. Now, I'm going to say something. Could be controversial, but I don't care. This is not a political statement. But there's a phrase going on in our culture today that says, my body, my choice. Have you heard that? My body, my choice. It's not just about abortion. It's about everything the culture says, my body, my choice. When you tell somebody what the Bible says about 
their sex life, they go, well, that's my sex life because it's my body. It's my choice. When you talk to somebody who's having gender identity issues and they want to have drastic surgery to change their bodies, they say, it's my body. It's my choice. When you talk to even Christians in the house of God and you start talking about what they eat and they drink and, and, and whether they exercise or not or take care of their body, they go, it's my body. It's my choice. But whether you're in church or out of church, whether you know God or don't know God, my body, my choice is the most false statement that has ever existed. Because your Bible tells you the truth. Whether you know God or not. Whether we're talking about abortion or who you sleep with. Whether we're talking about you drinking alcohol or eating Mickey D's. Your body is not your body. It's God's temple. And since it's God's temple, it's God's choice. I need an amen in the house of the Lord today. It's not your body, so it's not your choice. It's not just the abortion issue, it's every issue. Now, why do people believe that? Because they don't believe the Bible about what God says about their body. But we as followers of Jesus should believe what the Bible says, and it's not your body, it's God's temple. So since it's God's temple, it's not your choice, it's God's choice. So we should ask God before we do anything with our body, because it's not just our body, it's his temple. God, do you want me to sleep with this person or not? Because it's not just my body, it's your temple. God, should I eat this or not? Because it's not just my body, it's your temple. God, should I do this with my body? Should I go there? Should I, should I touch that? It's not just my body, it's your temple, so it's your choice. Are you with me this morning? I'm not making a political statement, and it's not just about the abortion issue. It's about all issues. It's a deeper cultural issue because they don't believe the truth of God's word. My body, my choice, is a false statement. It's a lie. Because the Bible says your body is God's. It's his temple. And it goes on and says, because you were bought with a price and you belong to him. You belong to him. So it's his choice. Now, of course, we know God's given you a free will. You can do whatever you want. You won't be right. But you can. Pastor, I do have choices. Yeah, you do. You got a free will. You can do whatever you want. But you won't be doing what God wants you to do when you just say it's my body. It's my choice. It's not. It's God's temple and it belongs to him. It should be his choice. With everything we decide to do with our body, we should say, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this okay with you? Should I be treating my body this way? Should I be sleeping with them? Should I be going here? Should I be putting this into my body? It's God's temple and it belongs to him. Your body is God's temple. All right, since I got such a strong, hearty amen out of that. That's the truth of God's word, and you need to know that because the culture is jamming that down all of your throats right now. And it's not just about the abortion issue. I'm not on that. It's about everything in life. My body, my choice. <laughs> no, it's not. 
And I don't know about you, but I know we don't always make good decisions when it's our choice. You want to know how I know that? All of human history. We literally blow it time after time after time again. We make dumb decisions. We start wars. We fight people. We rape people. We get people killed. We do the dumbest things and we think, oh, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'll make my choice. No, it doesn't work out that way. This idea, well, I know what I'm doing. I'll make my choice. See how that's worked out for all of human history. Never worked out well. But what does wisdom say? What does God's word say? Why don't we go to the one who created our bodies in the first place and ask him what we should do with our body? Because he knows what's best for us. He knows how our body works. And he knows what's going to help us. Pastor, can't we preach on revival? It's coming. It's next, next week, but we got to get our bodies right first. I told you I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I have to speak the truth in love today. The last thing is this. Um, can we pull, pull up the next verse, 1 Corinthians? Where are we at? Yep. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Other translations say you should glorify God in your body. Now, what am I doing? I'm giving you the groundwork for where we're going today. You have to have a th good theology of your body. First is God cares about your body. Your body is God's temple. But thirdly, God says to glorify him in your body. We need to live in a way that glorifies God with our body. You realize if we are tired and sick and unhealthy in our body, we can't fully fulfill God's plan for our life. If we don't have the energy to get out of the house and do what God's called us to do, we're not glorifying God in our body. If we're sick all the time, we're not glorifying God in our body. And a lot of times we are because we haven't done the things necessary to make ourselves healthy and strong by taking care of our body. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, a general in the faith, said this at the end of his life. When asked, and he lived in divine health his whole ministry until he was in his late 80s, but he said this. When asked about what he would do differently, he said, I would have taken better care of my body. I would have eaten better. I would have exercised so I could have done more for the kingdom of God. If a general on the faith says that at the end of his life, because he realized even though he walked in divine health because he believed in it, if he would have taken better care of his body, maybe he could still be alive today. How much more ministry could he have done? How many more people could he have reached if he would have taken better care of his body? The Bible says because our body belongs to him, we should glorify God in our body. 
All of you in here have a call on your life, a plan for your life, not just me. And you have to have a healthy, strong body to fulfill it. There's no way around it. God's will is not that you die young. It's not. God's will is not that you would live decades and decades of your life sick and you can't get out of the house. God's will is not that when we get older, we get weak and feeble and we can't be a part of the church family anymore because we haven't taken care of our body. No, God's will for our life is that we glorify him in our body so we can fulfill God's plan for our life. Think about all the people you know that went home to heaven early if they would have taken better care of their body, they could still be here. Helping people, loving people, being a part of the kingdom of God. But a lot of times it's because they didn't glorify God in their body. Now, once again, I'm not saying everybody who's ever died, this is the case. But in most people's case, a lot of times it had to do with they didn't take care of their body and eventually they got something that took them out, took them to heaven. When it could have been avoided. Look at what it says in Romans 12 and verse 1 in New Living. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. Everybody say bodies. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Once again, we're always thinking, well, it's just the spiritual part and the soul part that God wants. He wants it all. And the Bible says that part of our worship of God is to give our bodies back to him. To say, God, you can do whatever you want with this body. I'm going to treat it like it's your temple because it is. I'm going to treat it in a way because it belongs to you. I'm going to glorify you in my body because my body belongs to you. And I'm going to give it to you as a living sacrifice. Why? Because we want to fulfill God's plan for our life. And let me be honest. To fulfill God's plan in its fullness, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be healthy. You're going to have to have energy. And you're going to have to be able to live a long life on this earth to fulfill it. And that doesn't just happen by coming to church. It doesn't just happen by reading a verse every once in a while. It happens by us practically taking care of our physical body through physical discipline. Are you guys going to invite me back next week? So I think you got it now about theology of your body. What did we say? God cares about your body. Your body is God's temple. And the Bible says because it belongs to him to glorify him in your body. You with me? So let's keep going. You ready? Can I get a drink of water real quick? Thank you. That is one of my points, and this is for my body. Let's talk about Americans. And I'm proud to be an American. Lisa, I know I'm free. Okay, let's talk about it. 
We want to flaunt. We want to be boastful and proudful. We are the U.S. of A. We got it all together, do we? You know, because we're talking about your body. Americans in the Western world are the most sick people on the planet. Y'all know that? Yet, we are the most well-off people on the planet. You with me? So we're flaunting like we're the greatest on the earth, the U.S. of A., but why do third world countries have better health than we do? This is what, if you research it, this is the problem. In our country, because of our wealth, because of our prosperity, we die in this country of diseases of affluence. What does diseases of affluence mean? It means we die of diseases that can be prevented by our lifestyle. See, in third world countries, they don't die from the same diseases Americans die from because they don't have the wealth to die from the dumb diseases we do. Like in third world countries, they die from like lack of clean water or violence or stuff like that. In our country, we die from preventable stuff that has been caused by the way we live in America. Am I running for president in 2024? Yes, I am. So if you look at the stats, it's very sad. Americans especially, we are sicker than the rest of the world. We are more tired. We die from things, though, that can be prevented by lifestyle. Here are some of the diseases of affluence that most Americans die from that can actually be prevented by a change in our lifestyle. Heart attack, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancers, Alzheimer's, dementia, that's what most Americans die of. All of those can be prevented by your lifestyle. But we die of them in America because of our affluence. Now, why do we die from them in America because of our affluence? Two things. Because of our food, our money. We are eating the wrong foods because we have money. Isn't that weird how that works? We got money, yet we're dying from the wrong foods because they're fake and we're eating them. And because of affluence, we don't have to get out and farm. We don't have to get out and take care of the cattle. So we don't exercise. Those two things right there, your eating and your lack of exercise, are the reasons that most Americans die of those diseases because they're diseases of affluence. They're lifestyle diseases. If you change them, then you can change those diseases. Are you with me? I just want the word, Pastor. Well, you're getting it today. So in America, in the West, it's wonderful that we have prosperity and provision, but we are dying from things that can be prevented because of these diseases that are brought on because we don't have to do anything because we have money in America. So I'm going to talk about some of those things today because I know if we ask in the room, would you like to die from one of these diseases? We're going to say, no, I would not. Okay, well, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Right? And expect to avoid all these things. You're going to have to change the way you eat. 
You're going to have to change your exercise. You're going to have to do something different if you want to live a different life and be healthy and strong. I'm going to take another drink. We're going to get into some real practical stuff. I know you guys are going to say, Pastor, you're not being spiritual. Let's talk about revival. But I'm going to talk about some things that are really going to help you. Okay? Because I want to help you today. Why? Because God cares about your body. And I care about your body. And I want you to fulfill God's plan for your life. I'm only doing this for my point. Yeah. I'm just trying to be a doer of the word this morning. So let's say me and you are sitting down at core life. Why did I say core life? Because I'm talking about health. So let's say me and you are sitting at core life. We're eating together. And you said, Pastor, I don't feel good in my body. I need some help. I want to get healthy. I want to get strong. I want to have energy. And I know I need to do something practically different with my body. Not just quote healing verses. That's a part of it, but that's not the only part of it. I need to do some physical discipline. I need to do something different. What would be your advice to me, pastor? I'm going to give you five things, and then we're going to close, and then you're going to say, pastor, never talk about that again on Sunday. (laughs) I'm doing this once again because I love you, and I want you to be healthy, and I want to be healthy. So these are five things. And if you do these five things all the time, you're going to feel better. You're going to get stronger and you're going to be healthy. Now, this is not going to happen if you do it one day. Maybe not even one week. But if you keep doing it and it becomes a discipline and a habit, you will get better. You will get healthier. You will get stronger. Your body will change and you will have more energy if you do these five things I say every day. Every day. You with me? Okay. I feel the spirit of Pastor Dennis on me this morning. He is so much further ahead than I am. But he's a good example for all of us. Five things. You ready for them? We're going to go through them quick because I'm at 47 minutes. And you guys, well, you're not going to Golden Corral anyways today, right? No, no. Oh, no, Pastor. I was going home to eat celery and pray in tongues for the rest of the day. Right? No golden corral for you. You can forget that tumbleweed. Okay. First thing, and I mentioned this a second ago, talking about diseases of affluence. If we're going to be healthy and strong, you got to eat real food. You got to eat real food. You teenagers and college students need to take notes on what I'm saying too. Y'all need to eat real food. If we're going to be healthy and strong, we need to eat real food. Do you realize the acronym for the standard American diet is SAD? And it is. Because the standard American diet, what all of us eat, and then we die from these diseases that can be avoided, it's SAD. It will make you look sad. It will make you feel sad because it's not real food. Hear me this morning. Most of us eat the standard American diet. What is that? Fast food, fried food, fake food, processed food, soft drinks. If you eat that way, you will be depressed. 
You will be anxious. You will not feel good. You will be overweight and you will be sick. And most Americans eat that way. Now listen to me, I want to help you. If you're going to be healthy and strong, you can't eat that way and expect to walk in God's divine health. You can't. We have to eat real food. What does real food mean? That's hilarious because all of human history, it was understood. Until recently. Real food is like stuff that grows on trees. Y'all remember that? There used to be a thing. It was called like apples and oranges and then there's bananas. Real food that most modern Americans know nothing about. But if we're going to be healthy, we got to eat real food. So that means fruit, vegetables. If we're going to eat meat, it should be organic or grass-fed or something healthy like that. Because if you don't eat it organic and grass-fed, it's probably got a lot of hormones and chemicals in it that will affect your body. If you're going to be healthy and strong, you got to eat real food. What does that mean? When you pick up some food, read the labels. If it says a lot of words like speaking in tongues, don't get it. I see it has Shandai, Shandai, tie my bow tie. It has Okay, don't buy it. It's not real if it says that on the label. Are you with me? Real easy way to figure it out. And if you buy something that has no labels on it, it's probably real. Like an apple, an orange, a blueberry, a walnut, a grass-fed piece of steak. That's real food. Trust me, if you start eating real food, you're going to start feeling better. Your body's going to feel better. Your brain's going to feel better. You're going to start changing your health. But what's the problem? Most of us eat sad, standard American diet. So we feel sad. We look sad. It's sad because it's not real food. It's fake. If you buy food that will last to the new reign in Jerusalem in the millennium, It's not real food. Okay? So like the Twinkie that looks the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's not a good thing. The honey bun that hasn't aged in 25 years, that's not good. The food that you've had in your cabinet for 15 years and it's never went bad, that means it's not real. Are you with me? I'm just trying to give you some practical advice to let you know on what's real food and what's fake food. Now, if we're going to live healthy and strong, we got to eat real food. Now, once again, I'm not perfect like this. I am doing my best, but I don't hit 100% every time. I got multiple kids with me all the time, so it's really hard. But I try to do my best. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better at eating real food. And when I eat real food, I feel better physically and I feel better mentally. Why? Because it's real food. And God created that stuff. Let's put two and two together. The devil created other stuff. We got to eat real food. Now, um, I encourage you because I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Dr. Hadabal came to our church uh, about a year or so, maybe two years ago. He did like four sessions on it. Go back to our podcast, listen to him because he dives deeper into it than what I can do. Yeah. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10:31. I got to move. I got to move. 
1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you eat or whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, I'm going to go on to the next point, but you got to hear me here because what did we say earlier? You got to glorify God in your body. And I know some of you aren't willing to do this, but legitimately, if every time before you ate something, you said, God, is this meal going to glorify you? And you actually listened to him? All of us would change our eating habits. Do you know why we're not asking God that question? Y'all got it. Is there a reason our prayer life has disappeared come dinner time? Is there a reason we don't say, God, will this glorify? Because you know it's not. It's going to feel good in the moment, but it's not going to help you live healthy and strong. But legitimately, if it's God's body and we should glorify him in whatever we eat or whatever we drink, do it for his glory. Have you ever seen this too? And this is a funny meme. It's like somebody who has like McDonald's, Pizza Hut, and this. And it's like a Christian praying. It's like, God bless this to the nourishment of my bodies. I pray that I will receive all the nourishment. There's, there's no nourishment in there. But that's what we do. We think praying over it's going to make it better for us. It's not. It's not. We got to eat real food. Next thing, drink water. Drink water. Most of us are dehydrated, and that's why we feel tired. That's why we feel sick, and that's why we struggle in our body. You realize your body is 60% water, and, and things like your brain, your heart, your lungs are made up to 70 to 80% water. So that means if you're not drinking enough water, your brain's not getting hydrated, your heart's not getting hydrated, your lungs aren't getting hydrated. We need to drink water. If you're going to be healthy, you need to drink water. And a lot of it throughout the day. Because most of us are dehydrated and that's why we feel the way we feel because our body cannot function without water. Water is foundational to life and to health. So if we're going to be healthy, we need to drink water. Like myself, most of us in here drink a lot of caffeinated beverages, which actually dehydrate you. Now, I drink caffeine for energy because of all the children I have to take care of all the time. But I realize it's not good for me because actually, even though caffeine gives you a burst of energy, it's dehydrating your body. So we need to drink water if we're going to be healthy and strong. Now, not every month drink a bottle of water i'm talking every day we need to drink water we should choose water over soft drinks we need to drink water if you're going to be healthy we need to have water next thing if we're going to be healthy we need to get outside we need to get outside now this hits close to home for me but do you, do you realize that God did not design you to sit in a cubicle all day with fluorescent lights and then come home and turn all the lights off in your house and watch Netflix and wonder why you're tired, depressed, sick, and you have no motivation to do anything? Because you were not designed to be inside all the time. 
You need to get outside. I know some of you don't like being outside, but you need to be outside. There is tremendous health benefits for being outside. God did not create us this way. This is a modern thing. You realize all of human history, people were outside. We wonder why we struggle sometimes because we need to get outside. Now, I don't need to tell you because you know the research about this. It's been proven when you get outside, there's things that happen in your body that, that calms you down, that makes your heart beat differently, that makes your brain function differently. You need to be outside. They've studied this, even going outside to take a walk. When you look at some trees, you look at some mountains, you see some water, it actually physically calms your body down. It lowers your blood pressure. It helps you be able to handle life better. And we know the, the benefits of sunlight. We all need sun. Some of you really need some sun in your life. Hello, tanning bed, something. Figure it out. Joking, don't do tanning bed. We need sunlight. Why? Because it has vitamin D that we need for our life and for our body. When we see the sun and we don't live indoors with the lights off the whole time, it, it keeps our circadian rhythm right, that we can sleep at the right time. There's so many benefits to sunlight. We need to get outside. We need to get outside. It's so important for your body. They've proven it. They've done study. There's a reason why people live next to water. By rivers, by lakes, by oceans. Because people that live in those areas, their blood pressure goes way down. Because there's something about even seeing or hearing water that makes us calm down. But you won't experience that on your couch. No. You won't experience that in the office cubicle. You need to get outside. It's even important uh, to experience cold and hot. You need to experience that. Most of us live at 70 degrees or 69 or 68. That's not actually good for your body because your body has no resilience. You need to get outside. If it's a little cold, good. Your body adapts and it helps you get stronger in your body. If it's a little hot, good. Your body needs that. Our body was not designed to live at a perfect temperature with AC on. It wasn't. You guys are looking at me like I don't know anything I'm talking about. And I know exactly what I'm talking about. You got to get outside. It's good for you. Pastor, that's not spiritual. No, but it's practical for your body. It will help you. I'm going to go to the next point, but I want to say this about getting outside. I do not give Charlestown State Park credit for healing my body and helping me with anxiety and depression. But me going to the park... For year after year after year after year to get out and walk, to see the trees, to hear the creek, to be quiet, helped me in my mental health more than any other thing. In the worst seasons of my life, trauma, heartache, pain, death, there's a reason I've taken Natalie and the boys out there so much because there's something about it that God made it that way that it helps you deal with anxiety, depression, and it does something physically in your body to calm you down. Pastor, you're new age. No, I'm right. Why would God say stuff like he created the heavens and the mountains and the trees and the lakes for his glory if we're never going to see it? No, there's something about it. You get outside and you realize, no, God's bigger than this issue. God 
made this tree and he made this bird and he made this lake and he made this mountain and he made this ocean and you can't experience that on your couch. And then we wonder, I don't have any energy. I'm depressed. I'm sick. Get out of the house. Gotta get out. Breathe some real oxygen. Especially if you have a lot of kids in that house. There's just gas in that house. Get some fresh air for goodness sakes. The Bible says the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. How would you ever experience that if you're in your house? Which most of us are all the time. Get out. Live for goodness sakes. Life is not in your cubicle. Life is not stuck in your basement watching seasons of the office. Get out of the house. It will do something for your brain and your body that cannot be duplicated by any other thing. I know I'm right in what I'm saying. You're acting like you, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm right. I have the Bible to prove it and science to prove it in my own testimony. Get outside. It's good for you. And once again, I'm not talking about like get out in 10 degree weather and sit in the snow. Or just stand outside in the sun. It's 115 degrees and let your body burn. I'm not talking about that. But get outside. You want to be healthy? You want to have better mental health? Get outside. Nothing's helped me more than that. When I take my walks, I go hike, I get in the trees, I pray, I listen to worship. There's nothing like it. Now, pastor, are you giving credit to nature for healing you? No. God created that for me. And I can't experience it. And sometimes we need to be in a quiet place, the Bible says. Sometimes you have to go to a park to get quiet. And a lot of times at the park, that's where God has spoken to me the most, ministered to me the most. And I've felt peace there. Not because of the tree, but it's God's glory. It's his creation. He made that for all of us in here to experience, not watch on a Netflix show and like, I wish I could go there someday. Go! Get outside and live your life. You guys think I'm nuts, but I'm right. I'm closing. I'm trying to help you today. <laughs> I know I'm a little strong. I'm very passionate. I should be a park, part-time park ranger. I realize that. I've thought about it. It's not my ultimate call in life, though. Number four, move your body. It's been proven that daily exercise is good as an antidepressant. You moving your body for your mental health is, is as good or better than the antidepressants they give you. It's been proven. Getting outside, exercise. When you exercise, don't need to get into all the science of it, but when you exercise, it releases the feel-good hormones that go to your brain. And they release all the good little chemicals that you want. 
Those are called neurotransmitters. Serotonin, oxytocin, epinephrine, adrenaline. All those feel-good chemicals you want to feel are released when you exercise. That's why when you exercise daily, you move your body to some level. It helps your mental health. Now, why is it so important you move your body? Not just for your mental health, but your physical health. We know for your physical health, if you're going to be healthy and strong and have energy and live long, you're going to have to move your body. People that exercise live longer. They live healthier. A lot of diseases could be avoided with people that regularly exercise. It helps your brain function, gives you energy. It's so important that we move our bodies. And here's another thing. It is very true. If you don't use it, you lose it. A lot of times we're wondering, oh, why isn't my hip working? Well, you haven't walked on it in 30 years. You've been sitting on the couch. Well, you know, I just don't have the energy I used to. Well, you got to move before you get energy. It's so important that we move our body. Exercise is so important for all of us in here. If you're going to be healthy and have physical discipline, we have to move our body. Now, let me break this down for you because I know we got people from every age bracket here. All of us in here need to do something to move our body every day. Now, you got to find something you like. Most are like, I don't like exercise. Let me break this down for you real quick. What have we been talking about on Sundays? Discipline. Remember, discipline says discipline at the moment is painful. Doesn't feel good at first. All exercise begins that way. When you first start moving your body and you're not used to moving your body, it's not fun. It's painful. But what does it say in the word of God? If you stay with it, you'll see the fruit of it. And just like every other discipline, if you start moving your body, it becomes a discipline. And if you keep doing that, eventually you're going to start desiring it. And now you desire to get out and you move your body and exercise. And eventually it turns into delight when you start seeing the results of what exercise does for your physical body. But it never starts off with, I want to do this. This feels so great. It starts off as discipline, but it doesn't stay there. It leads to desire and to delight. Most people say, I, I just don't like to exercise. No, you haven't stuck what, with it long enough for it to turn into desire and then turn into delight. And also, you got to find what you like. Y'all don't have to do the same thing. There's a million ways you can move your body. You can lift weights. You can go hike. Go play tennis. Some of you like to play golf. That's exercise. Pilates. CrossFit. But for all of us in here, you can go swimming. You can ride your bike. And here's one we can all do. Walk. Whether you're one or 100, you can walk. But whatever it is, you got to find what you like and then stay with it. But it's so important that we move our body. The physical benefits and the mental health benefits are so important. Move your body every day. Lastly, rest. Did you guys get anything today? 
I feel like this is one of the wildest services I've ever preached in my life. I'm just trying to share with you what's helped me and what God's word says as well. If you do these all the time, you're going to be healthy. You're going to be strong. You're going to have energy. What do we say? Eat real food. Drink water. Get outside. Move your body and rest. Your health will start changing if you do these five things. So let's talk about rest for a second because none of us know how to. Um, the Bible is very clear that we need to rest our bodies. God actually commanded us to rest. It's called Sabbath. He actually told his people, you need to take one day a week and rest. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. And he realizes we are finite beings. We are not infinite like he is. And if we don't rest, our bodies and minds will break down. God commanded us to rest in the Old Testament. Let's look at Jesus in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. Jesus, who is God, came on the scene. And time after time, Jesus would say to his disciples, I need to go away to a quiet place and rest. Sometimes Jesus would go to the desert. Sometimes he would go to the mountains. Sometimes he would go to the sea. But Jesus honored the Sabbath and lived a lifestyle of rest. God wants us to rest. We either take a break or we will break. We are not, fi we are not infinite beings like God is. We are finite. All of us in here need to learn how to rest. Now, on the, the first four of these, I give myself an A. On the last one, I give myself an F minus. Hey. I'm done. I'm closing the service right now. She said literally. Yeah, literally an F minus. That is what I get on the rest part. But I want to encourage all of us in here, no matter what your age is, we all need to rest. Now, I'm telling you, as your pastor, I score great on all the rest of these, but I'm getting an F minus in rest, and I'm trying to change that. So will you help me, church family? Yes. Just like I'm trying to help you, would you help me? Because I know I need that, and I know as a younger man, you can get away with some stuff, but you can't get away with it forever with not resting. We all need to rest in here. So what does this look like for you? All of you need to go to bed at a normal time. You need to have a normal bedtime. Unless you work some crazy shift, work to get to bed at a normal time. That does not mean three in the morning. You need to get good sleep. Real practically, the Bible says that we should take a Sabbath every week. So every week, we need to take some time in our week to rest. Wow, there's such a hearty, strong amen in this place. Why? Because eventually, it might not catch up to you now, but it will catch up to you. We need to rest. God commanded it. Why did he command it? Because he knows what's best for us. We need to rest. We need to either take a whole day to rest or even a half day to rest. But all of us in here need time to rest. That's a major part of our health. We need to do that weekly, yearly. We should all in here, 
I'm encouraging you as your pastor. You need to go on vacations. I literally have never said such a positive thing in my life and there was no response. Y'all need to go on vacations. Just don't miss too many Sundays. But y'all need to go on vacations. You need to take trips. You need to rest. You need to turn it off. You need to turn your phone off. You need to take a break. I'm telling you that as your pastor. Why am I so strong about it? Because I need that. And I don't do that right now. But I'm trying to. But all of you in here need that. You need to rest weekly. You need to get good sleep. But you need to throughout the year. Take time off. Go on a vacation. Go on a trip. Take a retreat. You and your husband or wife. You and your kids. Just you by yourself. You need that. That's not carnal. That's treating your body as God's temple. Because it belongs to God. That's using wisdom with taking care of your body. You need to take breaks. You hear me, church family? You got to do it. We need to do that. We need to make it a part of our life. It's so important that we rest. If we don't do it, it will catch up with us in our body. So, did you get something this morning? Do you mean it? Are we going to be doers of the word? Come on. Are we going to talk about it in a life group? Yeah, we need accountability partners. We're going to do this. Why? Because we want to take care of God's temple because it belongs to him. Can we stand up today? I so appreciate you listening to me this morning. I know this was not an easy message for you to listen to. And it was an easy message for me to preach based off your response to me. <laughs> but it's for our benefit. Because I want you to be healthy and strong and have the energy to fulfill God's plan for you. So let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for everything that's been spoken today. Help us to not just be hearers, but doers of the word that we've heard today. Help us to place a priority on our body. Help us to have a high view of our body. That we need to treat it the way that you want it to be treated. We realize today, we take ownership and we say right now, we agree with your word. And we say that our body is your temple. And it belongs to you. And we're going to choose to glorify you with our body. We're going to do what Romans 12 says and give our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Father, I pray right now for people that have been discouraged in their body, about their health, about their weight, about the way they feel. Father, I pray right now that you would help them by the Holy Spirit right now. Put in a new desire this morning. Put in them a new want to, to make changes. Give them the desire and the self-control and self-discipline to start changing their life and changing their body. I believe right now that this church family, we're going to get stronger. We're going to get healthier. We're going to have more energy so we can fulfill God's plan for our life. I thank you, Father, that we're going to live long and we're going to live strong and we're going to see generations of generations of people fulfill God's plan for their life. 
Father, I thank you for it today. I thank you for what you're doing in this church and what you're doing through this series. Father, we choose discipline knowing the fruit and the results that will come out of it. Father, I pray right now, right now, that you're touching people in their bodies, healing them, strengthening them, giving them the wisdom and insight on how to apply this message to their life. We thank you, Father. We're going to be healthy and strong and full of your life all the days of our life. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today.